Asia Tech Podcast with Graham Brown and Michael Waits. So where where are you right now? I'm in Shanghai. I'm based here. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I just wasn't clear like you were still there. I mean, all of us travel a lot, so I thought maybe you might be on the road. Uh, no, no, this week I'm in Shanghai. But you're, okay. not, you're not from Shanghai, right? There's such an interesting angle to your story. I mean, oh, we've got to go uh, there. Korea, Tel Aviv. It's just not a natural progression, is it? Shanghai. <laughs> What's going on? Um, yeah, I'm from South Korea. Right. Okay, so here's, what, here's what I want to know. Do you really speak Hebrew? Um, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, but... <I> mean, <laughs> But I'm Jewish. Like, do I get a discount for that? Yeah, yeah. Michael, you shame on you, Michael. I know. I don't get a discount. I don't understand. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so, can you just tell me and tell us? Like, I'm really curious, almost more about like who you are than what you do yet. I want to put it in context so I can understand. Ah, uh, sure. Okay. Um. So, do you guys want my like startup journey? Yeah. I want, yeah, yeah, I want to know. I really want to know. You don't even have to put it in like startup context terms. Like I really uh-huh. want to feel like I just met you and I'm asking you like what you're doing and how you're doing it and why you got there. That's what I really want to know. All right. All right. So, um, so I was, I was just like ordinary girl. And like when I was 10 years old, um, my family all moved to us because of my dad's work. And so at that time I kind of picked up English and we had to come back to Korea like one and a half year later. And then yeah. when I came back to Korea, um, I lived in uh, Arizona, Phoenix, the desert wow. part of um, U.S. And then when I came back to Korea, I had I had really tough life in Korea because like if you have like really extraordinary character and you're like you yeah. want to express yourself, um, Korean society doesn't really like that and so I had kind of hard time uh, in my kind of um, um, high school middle school life and then I really wanted to like explore the world I wanted to just get out of like this small country and like explore for myself and so um, then I went to uh, UK in Winchester for exchange student and then um, the next year, I went to Ecuador for volunteering. It was, it was like, it didn't matter if they, if there's a program that would like let me go abroad, I would just like register it. <laughs> I'll <And> take so, it. <laughs> yeah, and then like when I came back from Ecuador, now it was like I had no other cards to use to uh, go abroad. But then it was the first year for Korean President Park, uh, who's now in prison. Right. <laughs> And she, in her first year, she wanted that startup ecosystem in Korea because, like, we're full of, like, big companies, but we don't have that startup ecosystem. And so she um, came up with a lot of programs to send young entrepreneurs to, uh, especially Silicon Valley and Tel Aviv, like Israel. What year was that? Huh? So what year was that? It was 2013, and it was um, end of... July that I actually landed on Israel and so um, at that time I was in university and I met this um, startup founder for the first time in my life he came to give us a little kind of lecture about like what startup is and why he 
decided to quit his company and start his um, company. And that story really kind of um, inspired me. And so I just like asked his business card and went to his company and asked him a bunch of questions about startups and everything. And then I asked him like one question, like if you go back to university life, what would you do? And he told me that, oh, if I were you, if I were you at your age, I would go to Israel and found my own company. And so I was like super inspired and I started to search everything about Israel. And then um, at that time, yeah, so I found this like program that sends um, young entrepreneurs to Israel for like six months, learning the ecosystem and doing internship. Um, and I applied for it and I got into it. And so, and so I landed in um, Israel and started my startup interviews. Okay, so why did I start startup interviews? It, it was like, um, I was a social marketing manager for this uh, startup company, Nailbeat, the startup entrepreneur who I met for the first time. He worked, he was the CEO of that company. And right. so I naturally became a social uh, marketing manager for this company to to make this company expand to Israel. And so part of the part of our plan was to like, um, yeah, do some like offline activities in Israel. And so I came up with this idea that um, maybe I can go interview startups in Israel. And so um, yeah, I started the startup interviews from there, and then uh, the next year. Uh, he sent me to the same way he sent me to Israel. He sent me to Silicon Valley and I was a business development there. And so um, pitching to a lot of companies, investors, trying to achieve like partnerships with Silicon Valley companies. And um, it was natural process that I realized I really like writing. It's like, it's just much more like comfortable in your mind that way. So so um, at the time, I volunteered for a Korean tech blog, uh, Be Success, and they let me interview like 20 startup founders in their conference, uh, which was held in Seoul, Korea. And so um, it was my first time to interview a Chinese startup founder who was uh, TechNode's founder, Kang Lu. And then I told them that I always wanted to go to China. And um, I asked him for his advice, and he just let me join TechNode. So that's how I became um, yeah, full-time writer for TechNode. And I came to China in 2015, January. But what, so what was it about the startup people that you met that inspired you? I mean, obviously, you have this sense of wanting freedom, it seems to me. Somebody who wants to sort of get away from maybe what you feel is like a little bit of restrictive way of living at home. So that's why you went as far afield as Ecuador and then went to Israel and stuff like that. But what was it about the startup people that you met that inspired you? I love startup people because like, um, uh, I think like living in Korea where we have this culture of like complaining about things around us, complaining about government and, um, some things that restrict us, but startup founders, they talk, talk about like solutions. Uh, when they talk about problems, they always talk about their solutions. That's what inspires me. And, and another thing is that they're, they're just like, you know, when you talk to someone and you 
know that person is awake and he knows what he's doing and it's like you just feel it because he has that atmosphere and kind of like halo around him and so you just like you just fall into it and it was something like that when i met this um um james lim yeah lim james lim yeah my uh uh first startup um ceo and then um kang lu when i met him i i already I was like already like impre- uh, impressed by these people and like I wanted to learn from them and so it was like really natural that I um, also joined their company to solely like work for them and so I guess like people like startup people have that charm because you know they are like leader of their own company they're like they're not just like um, employee of like one company they don't know where they're going they don't know what their what their vision is but startup founders are so interesting because they know what they're doing and they have vision so yeah this is like yeah a journey i guess oh it's great um so i'm really curious now that you're at technode and you also do your own podcasting right so how many episodes of your podcast have you done um i think it's about uh 22 okay so you're relatively new at this and you do it in korean right uh yes but I recently did one in English, so um, I guess I'll like swap between those two. As what I is go. it just is it just founder dependent if your founder speaks Korean, or are you interviewing Chinese? Because you're in Shanghai, right? So are you interviewing Chinese entrepreneurs and then translating into Korean, or like how does that work? Oh, my podcast, right? Um, yeah. So, so I only interviewed like Korean people in China because like. Um, Korean people wanted to hear from their side, but then um, now we kind of changed our kind of initial plan, and we're now reaching out to um, like all other like nationalities, either speaking English, Chinese, or Korean. And so, yeah, we're in that transition point. So we'll have some new episodes in Chinese, uh, English, and Korean, probably. Yeah. Right. So when you and do you speak Mandarin? Um. Yeah, I do. Really, so well enough to interview people, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty impressive. Where did you learn how to speak Chinese? In uh, China? Koreans, Koreans have advantage learning Chinese. Like, uh, we don't have to memorize that much words, uh, for example. And so, yeah, I learned it in Shanghai. I didn't know how to speak Chinese back in Korea. I just, like, um, my first day in China was my first day in Technode. And gradually, when you're, like, surrounded by all Chinese people without like someone from your nationality it's like survival to mm. just pick up what they're saying and just yeah so can we just back up a little bit so you said you also i just want to put things in context right so you went to arizona when you arrived there what was your english like and how old were you i was 10 years old and i was okay. like i i think i could only say like hi how are you <laughs> right my name is eva kind of thing yeah. No, my name was not Eva then. It I, was know like, that, I know that. I know that. Yeah, but like, yeah, right. I was like totally. I was totally like a Asian girl, like not knowing what to say. But but I had I my hobby at that time was like drawing, and I used to like draw my classmates, and they really liked me for that reason. And so I had so many friends, and yeah, just like um, playing with them, hanging out with them. I just like yeah, natural also learns. English. Were you, you the was, only Asian in your class? I'm just curious. Did they have Asians in Arizona back then? 
Uh, yes, they did. So there were actually like one Korean in every every um, age. I mean, like I was like fourth grade, and in third grade there was like one Korean. It was something like that. And Asians, I think there was at least one Asians in each class. Right. Okay. So I guess like about seven in your same age. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't completely wow. new. So they had seen sort of familiar faces. Right. I guess so. Yeah. Guess they so. were like, it was like South Korea. Nobody knew about South Korea. Hmm. I mean, they had no idea. But it couldn't have been that long ago, right? Um, it's 2000. And so uh, yeah. it's before World Cup 2002. So oh, right. they didn't know anything about right. South Korea. Yeah. Fair enough. So do you remember the feeling you had when your dad said, okay, it's time to go home? Um. Yeah, actually... Uh, when he said we were going back to Korea, I was like, I was actually excited because you just you just like your home food, right? And mm. you just like because like U.S. is just so spread out. I need because in Korea you're like living close to each other, and you can just like go to your friend's house, hang out there until like 7 p.m. and come back home um, without having to tell your parents and everything. And it was like. It was so weird to live in U.S. and you hang around with, like, cars. So, right. yeah, I was actually excited to go back, but then it didn't last long. I mean, I wanted to, yeah, go out. You wanted to leave and travel more. So when you do your podcast, right, like, what's the, what are the stories you're trying to pull out of people? What are the things you're trying to tell people and teach people? And I know it's different for every person, but I'm trying to understand, like, the depth of the stories that you're trying to tell and why do you think people in Korea would be interested in those stories? Right. So um, when I do podcast interviews, I try to pull out uh, industry trends. So okay. that way, because that way I can also um, publish article on TechNode in English, and which creates like double uh, content for podcasts and um, our for our readers. So I try to pull out like industry trends, but then I also try to pull out like lessons from their um, experience. I mean, either they're from um, e-commerce, VR, or hardware, they, they're like experts in their area and there's um, different lessons from their journey. And so I try to pull out their um, kind of really specific stories they can tell from their experience and so give courage to... Um, Korean people to, yeah, really kind of uh, give it a try and come to China. Yeah, so I think, the, I think the world has an impression of Korea through some of the larger companies that you mentioned, right? like LG and Hyundai, and obviously Samsung is 20% of Korean GDP, so it obviously has a big role in the country. I think that's what people's perceptions are. But is there something different today about what's going on or that you're seeing maybe through your interviews about how the sort of startup environment in Korea is changing vis-a-vis China? Like, what have you learned over the past couple of years about being in Shanghai and what the startup world means in Korea? Like, what, what, what have you learned about that? So the difference between, like, Korea and China, I see, is that, um, firstly, Korea does have, like, really great technology. Um, the people are really smart, um, and they have really good sense of, of design. And so when I see like Korean startups, they're 
they have really good technology, they have good design, but just that they, um, I guess they really have a small market. So, um, um, and the other side is that there's a lot of restrictions from the government. And are so it, it's, yeah, there are so many restrictions. And so I want to see more Korean startups going global, like starting from overseas from the day one and creating more like um, global products. I'm looking forward to that. And um, about China, China, well, it's amazing because like Chinese government kind of allow this like gray area before they put in any restrictions or laws. So they just like um, let the people like do their innovation until they found out some like problems they have to like um, really restrict later on. So that I think that kind of freedom gives that innovation in this startup ecosystem in Shanghai. And so um, I'm seeing so many exciting examples in um, China. Obviously, uh, WeChat, uh, Alibaba, uh, Alipay payments, Mobike, of course. But then right. these days, uh, I don't know if you guys been to Hema Xianxiang. It's a it's a new kind of new retail kind of strategy started out by Alibaba and and. It's really amazing. I mean, you can just buy lobster in paying like um, ten dollars, and then they cook you in the on site. And they um, um, when you buy things, the the baskets like um, the shopping bags just hang around over your head, and they go straight delivered to your home. So I really um, encourage people in China. I mean, people expats living in China to try it out because, yeah, that's what is really exciting in China right now. And they have their own kind of, they have their own version of Amazon Go. So there's now unmanned convenience stores in Shanghai. And so we're seeing some um, very exciting new retail um, startups in China right now. And so, yeah, this, this is amazing. I mean, like, in terms of, like, Innovation, trying out new things. I think China had proved some good examples. Yeah. And do, do you see that stuff moving back to Korea? In other words, is is it possible? So, like a company like Kakao, and then a company like Line, right, which is essentially a Korean company that was slightly, you know, taken over, not taken over, but moved to Japan. Everyone thinks it's a Japanese company, but Line itself was started in Korea. No. Right. Right. That's right. And so how does how does that happen there? And then how do you encourage more of that to happen in Korea, particularly in the context of like what you hear, what you hear from um, from the entrepreneurs that you interview and just from the feedback you get from the people that listen to your podcast as well? Um, so I guess Lion is a really kind of special example. I mean, Neighbors, the founder of Neighbor, he had yep. he had kind of blueprints of how companies should like go and grow and so he realized some there are some restrictions in korea and so he he kind of strategically moved um line to japan and actually he's now doing the same um he he raised funds and invested like so much money in europe europe area so he's now like um investing a lot of european countries to have some like partnerships there uh, between 
uh, NHN, the mother company of uh, neighbor and European countries, I mean, European startups. And so, um, yeah, now I'm trying, now I'm seeing those like good examples of um, Korean startups going global. And then um, talking about Kakao, I see Kakao has a really good people inside there and they're trying out like uh, Kakao Pay. That's great. Um, and we'll gradually see more mobile payments. But then um, since it's a small country, I think they need to push more, some more like globalization efforts. So this I is, guess this is what I want to ask you. If I was a if I was a Korean entrepreneur, ambitious young Korean entrepreneur, would it be easier for me to simply leave Korea and go and set up in Shanghai? Or I mean, it seems like sort of a lot of the stories you're talking about have that feel, right? Right. Um, Rather than do it at home in Korea, you know, what's going to be the best option for me? Yeah, the be best option. I think the best option really is to live in China for a, for quite a time and then start your company. That makes sense. But like, there are so many Korean founders just like um, come to China for a business trip, three or four days, meet up with some few companies, and then um, they study everything in Korea. Like they study everything about China in Korea, and their knowledge is like outdated for that reason. And I want them to actually kind of live here and like um, work in a Chinese startup for a while. And so you get that sense of like, what is the innovation here? What, what people love to use here in China? And so I guess like, um, you know, you need to invest some time and money to really understand one culture or environment, right? So I think Korean people need that. Now they're so many people still based in Korea and trying to make like globalization effort, but, um, but I think that's not really, um, realistic. So yeah, I think they really have to invest some time, um, in overseas country they want to expand to. Now, do you think, so Naver was actually started by a bunch of ex Samsung employees, right? And do you think that they took things out of their experience at Samsung, which, you know, up until about 15 years ago, it was a very domestic company, but has somehow found a way to expand globally and obviously is now one of the largest and most significant companies in the world. So do you think that some of the startup people in Korea can learn even peripherally from what companies like Samsung, LG, Daewoo, Hyundai have done to expand globally and maybe just eliminate some of the corporateness around it? Like, what do you think about that? I think that's a, yeah. Um, actually, those um previous employees in those big companies are doing actually very well performing very well in um south korea i mean like i've seen so many like previous employees coming out from samsung lg or hyundai and then starting their own company and they're actually doing really good because they have their core technology right. and they they are really niche in their um, field. I've seen some great B2B um, startups and they were providing some business solutions in so many like niche areas like security, construction, and agriculture. And so 
Uh, not many people care about these companies and they don't know about these companies, but, but they have a really great potential to grow. Um, so I think, yeah, seeing, seeing those sectors, I mean, it's unlikely these startups will become like um, really big companies like because they are still in B2B fields. But um, yeah, since you have this great technology, I think there's a lot of potential because seeing Israel, Israel goes goes for the same. I mean, it's a small country and they have really good technology that can penetrate Silicon Valley market. And mm. so I believe at some point, Korean startups can make those good examples too. And, you know, I've seen a lot of um, Korean people working as like, sorry about that. Okay. That was like my water drinking alarm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Go on, drink up. <laughs> yeah. Is it time to stand as well? <laughs> and then, where, where was I? Um, Oh yeah, so so I'm seeing a lot of uh, Korean people working in like C level in um, Chinese companies. So when I go to Huawei, when I go to Alibaba, when I go to Tencent, I meet these Korean people in like executive level, and so I'm like so amazed. So um, they're definitely learning a lot from um, innovations in other countries, and uh, possibly we'll see some yeah good examples, I guess. Okay, so one one kind of, not last thing, but just one other thing I want to touch on. You do a podcast. You've recently started doing it. You're thinking about changing your strategy there. Is the podcast that you do associated with your working at TechNote, or is that something that you're doing separately? I'm doing it uh, really separately, yes. Because, um, uh, how should I say, everything I do in Korean is, I feel like it's like volunteering, it's not about it's not about like work because like everything about my work um needs like speaking English and um Chinese. But then people who actually write me like um thank you letters and who actually want to have like coffee with me are all like Korean startup founders. They have this like really thirst for knowledge about like Chinese market, how can they penetrate? And so I naturally like spend like extra time on um, blogging in Korean and podcasts in Korean. And so they can like much more intimately um, learn from these founders on sites. And so, yeah, I, I think of it like a kind of, yeah, volunteering. Well, it, nat- it naturally fits with your story as well. That's the key, isn't it? I mean, your story, not just of you moving to China, but, you know, from a very young age, you've moved all over. So you've always been an outsider moving to a new place. So I think, you know, if you go beyond the fact that you're in the industry, that you're in tech, there's the human story, isn't it, of like somebody who's chosen to move from one place to another for a better life. And that's really where you're connecting with these Korean founders at the emotional level. And that's something you've got to, got to build on, right? Because you have a niche skill there, an advantage that, you know, there are few people, very few people doing what you're doing who can actually get up and talk about it. So in that sense, you're providing a magnet for those people who say, okay, somebody's out there telling me the human story of these people moving to China from Korea. 
That's really interesting. And that's something I think you've got to continue, even though you describe it as volunteering. I think that's your future. Oh, uh, there is a, I just like thought of a, thought of a, uh, one sentence in, um, Greek Jorba. Have you, have you guys read that book? It's about a Greek, um, it's a story written by Nikos Kazantzakis about a person who actually lived like 100 years ago named Jorba. And one sentence from that book is that if you want to save yourself, um, you should save other people. And I think that's, um, yeah, that goes with me. I mean, as I try to help other people, I think that's the way I um, save myself. And so this is like really kind of mutual thing. It's not only that I'm helping them, but like they're also helping me as well. So as I organize like offline meetups um, um, every month, like sharing the knowledge in the industry, I also learn from them. And that, um, that also gives me kind of inspiration to write new stories, new kind of grab new trends and what's happening in China. And so, um, yeah, I think... Well, journalist is a really amazing occupation to really like connect with people and um, yeah, have that connection. Mm. Eva, it's been a real pleasure having you on. And before I ask you to give us some links where the listeners can go and find out a bit more about you, just want to say thanks for sharing your story. It's been an inspiration, I'm sure, for people who are in a similar situation. You know, never easy moving from one country to another or never easy moving into a new culture but go and check out Eva's work Eva where can we find out more about you oh um you can come to technode.com um, so it's like t-e-c-h-n-o-d-e.com and I've written like 400 stories so far in technode so um it's the best way to uh learn about China if you're if you're uh, expanding to China and also, please pitch me on to my email, uh, evayu at techno.com. So it's like E-V-A-Y-O-O at techno.com. So uh, you can pitch me stories. You can, um, yeah, also like meet me up for coffee. And yeah, just let me know. Awesome. We'll put all the details in the show notes of your podcast. A shout out to that. Oh, yeah, sure. Um it's like heading to China and um, it's on iTunes. So I, I guess I'll have to uh, share the link. Yeah. yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. Eva, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, so you so much. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at www.asiatechpodcast.com.